Let's pray. Lord, help us today again as we consider your word, Lord, as we consider the different things that are written in the Bible, Lord, uh, that we would know exactly, Lord, what you are saying to us today, Lord, as we go over this. We just pray that you would bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus asked his disciples, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? This is after Jesus's resurrection, of course. And in fact, all four of the gospels record doubts arising in the hearts of Jesus's disciples after his resurrection. And in two of the four gospels, doubts are present even as Jesus is standing there alive in front of them. So we might also ask, why? Why did doubts arise in their hearts then? Why, when Jesus had also told them many times over that his crucifixion and resurrection would happen? That's recorded at least eight times in the Gospels alone. Why didn't they believe that he would be raised to life again, as he said he would be, especially when he had raised others to life. Well, my guess is that it was because they had seen Jesus suffer. They had seen the giver of life overcome by death in their minds, but as a matter of fact, he was not overcome by death. He overcame the power of death by his own sacrificial death. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, in Jesus' death, the eternal God-man broke the curse of eternal death for all of us, for all of those who are united with him by faith. But at that time, Jesus' disciples didn't understand that. Jesus' disciples didn't understand that Christ had died for their sins as of yet. And here, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus explains that to them. He explained that it was necessary. His death was necessary for their salvation. His death was necessary because, as the writer of Hebrews later on wrote, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. You see, the disciples of Jesus were all Jews, and they were all in that God-given system of ritual sacrificial atonement that they, they did at least annually um, on the Day of Atonement, and they understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, but they understood animal sacrifice 
as the annual ritual that took care of sin for them without understanding the significance of it, that it was a temporary um, thing, that it, and that it pointed ahead to Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice that would be done once and be sufficient for all and for all time. And Jesus' sacrificial death would end all need for any other atonement. That is what they had not understood before this. They knew nothing about Jesus' own body and blood being the ultimate and sufficient sacrifice and offering for their salvation. Even though Jesus had shared that last supper with them and told them the significance and told them everything that was going to happen to him, they did not understand. They hadn't realized that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. That was necessary. They didn't understand that if Christ had not died and risen again, that they would still be in their sins and still be condemned themselves. But now, with Jesus alive again, they finally did understand that, and they believed, and they were forgiven. And they only understood that because Jesus opened their understanding. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. He showed it to them. He showed it to them in the Old, and, and uh, he revealed to them what they later on wrote, inspired of the Holy Spirit as the New Testament, explaining how it all worked together. Well, you know, today, as Jesus' disciples, we too sometimes doubt. Our faith also falters at times, and perhaps less in the historical fact of Jesus' death and resurrection, and more in the fact of our own inclusion in that forgiveness that he paid for with his sacrifice. And our faith also falters in other ways, too, as cynicism sets in when we don't understand God's ways, when we don't understand why he does not act as we had prayed he would or as we had thought he would. And we might end up saying, why should I pray about this or that when God didn't answer my prayers about something similar in the past? Or asking, does God really care about me? Does he really hear my prayers? We have to be reminded over and over again that there is never any fault in God our Creator, in God our Savior. The fault is always in us and in our thinking, and we just have to be humble enough before him and accept that and ask him to open our understanding. Well, recently in our local community, we have gone through quite a few setbacks. We have had people in our community that had surgeries that did not go as well as we had hoped and, and prayed for. We have had a few of our ailing members grow worse and not better with prayer and some in much pain still 
we've had a few accidents that might have been avoided and most discouraging i think for all of us a few very serious strokes uh, um, that our members had two of our members had with devastating effects on uh, on them and and it's hard to see that uh, with people that we love and care deeply about suffering and all of this as we continue to be isolated and restricted as a community to to go and and visit uh, due to the coronavirus and that makes things all the more difficult and frustrating and it's easy um, for us to focus on our disappointments with God and and easy to get cynical and doubt rather rather than say you know God knows even if we don't and he is good all the time and has the best in mind for his children we had all the things that I listed um, just now to pray about at a recent zoom prayer meeting but then somebody announced that one of the young children who who had come to our last VBS had had a brain aneurysm and ended up dying a little girl that we knew and naturally that that affected me very negatively and yes God is sovereign and God knows and does what is best for his people but we say why why do we sometimes doubt well that's why we don't want to doubt but that's why we do because we are human and as humans we feel and we hurt and we don't understand why God allows things like that to happen especially when we had prayed for healing and not only that but we know that Jesus knows too and Jesus feels and Jesus hurts and suffers with us too we see Jesus suffering and we have to ask is is Jesus living presence here with us or not it doesn't look like it is in times like this because we know how Jesus acted when children like that died we can read about it in Mark 5 35 to 42 Jesus took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying then he took the child by the hand and said to her Talitha Kumi little girl I say to you arise and immediately the girl arose and walked that's our Jesus that's what we want and we also want what Jesus said to his disciples in John 14 12 to 14 he said most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name I will do it well of course that's what we want but what what does it mean what does it actually mean to ask something in Jesus's name well it means to 
ask that in his authority. It means to represent Jesus. It means to have his heart and to pray in his will. And his heart and his will is known to us only by his word and by his Holy Spirit. Do you think everyone was healed by Jesus as he walked this earth? On some occasions, all were, but on others, it seems not. Of all the sick waiting by the pool of Bethesda in John 5, only one was healed by Jesus. And Mark 6, 5 to 6 says this of Jesus' work in his own town, in his hometown. Now he could not do mighty work there. He could not do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And we could also think about the beggar who was healed at the temple in Acts chapter 3 after Jesus had ascended. And I'm going to read that um, passage. In Acts chapter 3 beginning at verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, I wonder, was that man not there when Jesus was at the temple a few months earlier? You know, he probably was, but it was God's sovereign will not to heal him then but later on, and to use that healing for his glory as the church was launched and use the healing for evangelism. I believe the Holy Spirit fixed Peter's eyes on that man and gave, him, gave Peter that word of faith and word of healing for the purpose of evangelism then. Let's read on in verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So Peter, when, so when Peter saw this, 
He responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, who God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It is all up to God, people. God tells us to pray, and we pray. And he gives the result as he sees fit. It's not up to us. You know, even in this rough time that our church is going through, we still see blessings from God. I don't know if you know, but a number of people in our congregation over the past year, both here and in Resurrection Church, the church plant, a number of people have come down with the coronavirus. But all of them have recovered nicely with no long-term effects. That the coronavirus did not kill any of our members. And thank God, none of them came to church when they were infected. But still, we do ask, why can't we have the miracles that the early church had in Acts again? Why does God not often intervene in the same way today as he did then? We understand from the Old Testament that it was unusual for God to intervene in much of history and and when he did there those miracles are recorded but God didn't always intervene we can read how he didn't prevent Jacob's beloved Rachel from dying in childbirth how sad for his beloved Jacob he didn't save David's baby with Bathsheba even though David had repented in fact, he didn't spare three of David's sons or give a comfortable death to David, even though he, he loved him. He suffered as he was dying. He couldn't get warm. God does not always intervene supernaturally, even with his people. And even more so when sin is involved. He didn't stop Adam and Eve from disobeying his command. He only warned them of the consequences. He didn't stop Cain from slaying his good brother Abel, who, who served God with a faithful heart. He simply warned Cain of the sin that was crouching at his door, but Cain rejected that warning. He didn't stop his servant David again from committing adultery and and committing murder to cover it up. But he judged and punished and forgave him later on. 
If we look on in the New Testament, we could see that God didn't save Jesus' beloved apostles from martyrdom. But of course, this is a God who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So we must always remember that God is so far above us that we cannot understand his ways unless he chooses to reveal them to us. So why do doubts arise in our hearts? They arise because of suffering. And what is Jesus's response to our doubts and our needs? Well, this is what he said to his disciples. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus' response is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's from John 14, 15 to 18. So Jesus gets us through those times, these times, by being with us in our suffering, by being with us and assuring us in our doubts and by giving us the inspiration to pray and to do his works when he sees fit and when he speaks his word of faith into our hearts and all we have to do is follow him and obey let's pray lord god we do thank you that you are with us lord we are so, so emotional, so um, tossed, Lord, by, by things in this life, especially suffering, Lord. We don't understand why. Why, after you took all the sin of the world and defeated the devil, why, why there's still so much evil? Why we have to wait for your return? Why do we have to wait for that time that the prophet Micah spoke about when you will not only judge but you will intervene in creation and you will Lord bring peace to the world Lord we want that now and Lord we know that Lord you're being gracious to others who haven't known you yet and you are still calling others to yourself in this time and this is why Lord we we have to wait Lord just um because you want to bring more people to know you. You want to bring eternal life to those who have rejected you thus far. So we, we do with patience, Lord. We do ask you to come, but we also ask you to do that work, Lord, in, through us, Lord, so that others may, may see you and know you. Do your work. Continue your work through us, Lord. Um, help us to have a response to all who ask, Lord, and 
and give us that response. Give us that knowledge, that wisdom by your Holy Spirit so that we may be your true witnesses and your lights as, as your first disciples were and be willing to suffer for your sake. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.